Hi, you're listening to your Cornerstone City Church Talk. We've started a new night called Encounter, and it's every Sunday at 7pm. We have a few key dates here. This Sunday we have the Testimony and Pizza Night. On the 3rd of November we have Colin and Steph from Foyle Vineyard joining us to lead worship. And on the 10th of November we have Alan Emerson from Emmanuel Church, Portadown. We hope you can join us. I'm speaking tonight in obedience, right? Kind of what um, what obedience means, what it looks like, and kind of what obedi- what to do in obedience, what obedience is when it doesn't make sense. And you know, obedience is kind of one of those funny words, right? It's like a funny term because it's kind of can often be associated with quite negative connotations, right? It's, it can often be associated with like legalism and all these rules and regulations, and the idea that in order to you know, submit to someone else's obedience. You're having to kind of give up something yourself. You're having to give up some kind of freedom in order to follow the rules of someone else. When really, in reality, we know in the Bible that it, when it comes to godly obedience and it comes to obedience of the Father, it's literally the complete opposite, right? Like it's, you know, we literally, it's the only way to get true freedom is to be totally too obedient to the Father. Um, and, you know, there's a quote by C.S. Lewis that says, um, obedience is the key that opens every door. It literally means obedience is just the answer to true freedom. And, you know, as Christians as well, we should literally be living our lives trying to be like Jesus every day, right? And the reality is Jesus literally was like obedience personified. He didn't say or do anything without the Father first telling him to. His life, his ministry, his death, everything was just, he lived completely obedient to the Father. And, you know, as Christians, that's exactly what we should be doing. And, you know, I looked up the Bible trying to find a good kind of biblical story or reference for this tonight. And I was a wee bit kind of overwhelmed, right? Because the Bible literally, if it's not an overarching story or an overarching theme of a story, it's definitely a strong undercurrent, right? That obedience is literally throughout everyone in the Bible or anyone that was good in the Bible or anyone we read about, they were all obedient, okay? Um, and I almost was like, I don't even know where to go. Like Noah, who was like mocked and ridiculed and made to look stupid. Or, you know, Daniel, who literally obeyed right into the, Daniel, um, the lion's den or any of this. Um, so I kind of went, went right back to the very start of the Bible. And I actually kind of found that the very first command, right, that God ever gave to humanity, the very first command he ever gave in the entire Bible was a command for obedience, right? It was to Adam and Eve when he was like, don't eat the fruit. You know, when it's Genesis 2, 15 to 17, and it says, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. The Lord then commanded the man, you're free to eat from the tree, in the, from every tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we obviously all kind of like, we, most of us kind of know where the, how this story went, right? But the reality is God just literally was like, I want you to obey me. And he didn't really offer much enlightenment to it, right? You know, there's so many commandments in the Bible, the Ten Commandments, right, for example, absolutely offer, we don't really need any further enlightenment or information why we shouldn't obey those. It's just, you know, don't kill, don't commit adultery. We, that's okay. We understand why they're good things to obey and to follow. But when it came to this one, God was just like, I just want you to obey me, right? You know, it wasn't, you know, Eve, that um, fruit has some high fat content and you're not wearing any clothes, so maybe you shouldn't do it. You know, I don't know, maybe, maybe if he had said that, she, she, she wouldn't have done it. I don't know. But he, he literally offered absolutely no enlightenment. He just was like, don't do it. 
And what this actually kind of does is it shows us the importance that God placed in this kind of obedience, where he was just like, this is the first thing I'm going to do for humanity. Obey me. It doesn't matter why. I just want you to obey me. And the reality is, they went on, and you know, the way humanity is and the way that we live today shows why that should have been obeyed, because you know, it rests on what happened that day in the garden. Um, you know, I, um, I have a niece, and she's four. A lot of you will know her, her name's Sophie. And I, I spend a lot of time with Sophie, right? And um, a lot of time with her. I love her, I really do love her. I spend a lot of time with her. And one of Sophie's favorite words is why, right? You know, why can't I do this? Why, can't, why do I have to do that? Why can't I do this? Why can't I eat that? Why do I need to eat that? And it's, it can be a wee bit irritating, but you know, she's four, right? And the reality is, Sophie doesn't really understand why she's being asked to do the things she's being asked to do. But the adults in her life that are around her and are like, Sophie, I want you to do this, have a bit of future perspective to understand, you know, why Sophie can't only eat sweets. Um, you know, why she can't go and play in the road, why there is a bedtime. And at some point in Sophie's life, further down the line, she'll maybe start to realize why she was asked to do the things that she was asked to do that didn't make sense at the time, right? And kind of when it comes to obeying God, if we can kind of take that kind of perspective and settle our minds on the idea, right, and the notion that God is totally and 100% for us, right? And that seems really obvious, and that seems really simple. Okay, God's for us, of course he is. But it is one thing to say that, and I think it's also another thing to believe it, but it is an entirely different thing to take your circumstances and literally apply that filter to it, right? No matter what it is you're going through, no matter what your current thing is, literally looking at your circumstances through the filter of God's goodness and the fact that God is for you, rather than through your frustration, rather than through your fear or whatever it is, your disappointment, your impatience, anything. If you can apply the filter of God's goodness to that, it will literally make your situation seem a whole lot different. It says this in Romans, right? It says, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? Who would, ta- who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who raised us to life, who raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think there is anything that's going to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture can separate us from his love. Right? And the principle is so simple. Trust God. He is God. He knows more than you know. Right? That's literally all that I need to say on this matter. Like literally God, God knows more than you know about your current circumstances. You just trust that. And that could literally be the end of what I need to say tonight. Because the reality is, if you can literally take that filter and apply it to your life, do you know that God's actually more for you than you are for you? He's literally more for you because God's judgment or God's thoughts are not clouded by negativity. They're not clouded by insecure thoughts. They're not clouded by the fact that you're not good enough or there's things you can't do. He is just purely and freely for you tonight. And once you start to grasp that and look at your circumstances through that filter, let that soak through, things will feel different. The idea of following God blindly will seem a whole lot easier. You know, I'm really, really fortunate, right? I am... Uh, my, my dad, right, we grew up with a dad who is 
very dependable, right? Like, we bit, can we be a bit irritating? You know, one of those, like, Dad, I have, a, I have a flight on Wednesday, and he's like, brilliant, let's go leave on Sunday so you can catch it, right? Or, like, you know, what, um, what, what, when's my tax up? And he's like, hold on, I've got that all filed away. And, you know, I've got your P7 report filed away too, if you'd like a wee look at that. He's just very, very dependable, right? And I have absolutely no problem trusting my dad or listening to my dad, but the Bible literally tells us that our heavenly father loves us more than our earthly father does, right? And that quite literally blows my mind. I have absolutely no problem listening to my dad or trusting my dad, but for some reason it comes quite difficult when it comes to God. You know, and one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible is Moses, right? And whenever Moses... Um, God has sent Moses to go and speak to Pharaoh and, you know, release the Israelites. And Moses is like, God, who am I going to say sent me, right? Go and picture that moment. You'd be like, oh my goodness, who am I going to say sent me? They're all going to ask. And, you know, God just literally says, tell him I am sent you. Sweet. What is that? What? Perfect clarity now. Like, you'd literally, what does that even mean? But the reality is what God's actually saying there is never you mind. I, I, I sent you, but never you mind about the details. All you literally need to do is blindly trust me and obey me. I don't need the details. I just need a willing heart, you know? Um, also, when it comes to obeying God, right, one of the, um, when it comes to obeying God, I'm going to make the choice to obey God, physical obedience will bring about a spiritual breakthrough, okay? When you engage your body and your mind in alignment with God's will and God's call over your life, your spirit will also engage in that because there is an undeniable connection, guys, right? There's an undeniable connection between our physical actions and the condition of our spirit. Can we be in agreement on that tonight? There is an un there's a connection between our physical actions and the condition of our spirit, meaning that Often than not, more often than not, right, if you want that spiritual result and the spiritual progress and you want spiritual growth, that requires kind of a physical action or response in your mind or your body, right? It says in Second Chronicles 7 verse 1, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Okay? Let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. It should always be our goal to be pursuing him. It should always be our goal to be pursuing him. And this involves like anything. This involves our everyday life. It should always be our goal to be pursuing him and wanting to be more like him. And you know, the, pr the process of spiritual growth no matter what, what area it is, the process of spiritual growth will be obtained first and foremost through obedience. Doesn't matter if it's the small things. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, um, just buying a coffee for somebody you don't know. Or if it's the big things, you know, like moving country, quitting your job, whatever that might be, right? Or we're just literally talking about when we're told in the Bible that to, like, um, to you know, spend time in his presence, read his word. Whatever we are being told to do, first and foremost, obey always and your spirit will grow. Your spirit will grow. Um, it says here, joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their heart. Do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. 
Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteousness, as I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you for living as I should. I will obey your decrees. And that's Psalm 119, right? Like the idea of being able to compare our lives fully with the commands of Jesus, the idea of being able to get to the end of your life and look at what's there and look at what's done and being able to know that you fully obeyed what God had for you. Guys, first and foremost, he's for you tonight. So um, about 18 months ago, right, I started um, kind of chasing after the voice of God. I had started to, to hear it, and I'd, I felt like I was hearing it, and I wanted to kind of hear, like look into it more and find out like w- when I was hearing him and when it was me and when all that kind of stuff. So it was just something that was constantly on my mind. Um, and it was something I really started to pray about, and it was something I started to ask him about. And um, at the end of last summer, um, I asked God for kind of, I wanted a revelation um, of him. Essentially, I was like, I just want to know when you're speaking to me, right? And it was a really, really simple prayer. There wasn't much to it. It was quite vague and quite simple. Um, And last August, um, myself and three friends went to Amsterdam. And um, we, it was a long weekend, and <laughs> people are laughing and putting me off. Well, the, a girl who's involved in this story is actually here tonight, and when I told her I was going to tell it, she was like, I think I should tell it from my perspective, to be honest, because <laughs> my perspective was definitely a bit freakier. So um, I, um, out, of, out of the four of us, um, I was the only Christian, right? That's grand. They're some of my best friends, so it's all cool. It's all great. And um, for anyone else who maybe knows anything about me, right, will know that um, I have an irrational fear of nighttime, right? It's not that I'm scared of the dark. I can't work it out, right? It's just I hate the silence and I hate nighttime. And I would normally wake up about one or two times a night and I'm always really scared, right? I'm a big baby. And um, and, um, we were all in one big hotel room. There was four of us. And at about three o'clock in the morning, I woke up. And the first thing I remember feeling was feeling like I didn't feel scared. And I was kind of like, right, cool, I'll go back to sleep now. You know, we break through, I'm not scared tonight, you know. And I really, really, really strongly heard the voice of God. Um, and any other times I've heard it since then, it has never probably been as strong as it was this night, right? And God literally said, Rachel, I want you to get out of bed and I want you to get on your knees. And I was like, aye, you'll put a wee sleep spell on the girls though, won't you, so they don't wake up, you know. Thank you. And I remember my bones all turned to liquid as I, you know, slinked out of the bed. And I like got on the ground and I was like, you know, I'm about to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get a new gift or something, you know, can't wait. And I'm all, like, I'm, I'm literally on my knees and, you know, I'm all. And, um. All I hear is, what are you doing? And I look up and um, Marie Claire, she's right there, was like, um, I was like, what are you doing? And I thought, what? Nothing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Um, 
I was like, oh, I don't know, I must be sleepwalking, I don't know, I'll get back in bed. <laughs> so I get back into bed again. And I was like, oh, that was weird, you know. <laughs> and a couple minutes later, I heard God say, Rachel, what are you doing? I told you to get on your knees. And I was like, yeah, but you didn't really keep up your side of the bargain. <laughs> the girls woke up. And um, I remember thinking I had this stroke of genius. I was like, picture a typical hotel room. And there's the wee narrow bit near the door. And I was like, I'm going to go around there. <laughs> <laughs> where they won't see me, and I'm going to go around there, they're all good. So we'll kind of leave it a minute or so, think everyone's back to sleep again, and slink out of the bed and go around the corner. And I'm sitting there waiting. And then all of a sudden, all I see is a face. Actually, what are you doing? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I hear the other girls being like, what's going on? Mary Claire's like, I don't know, Rachel's being weird. And I'm like, I'm not. And anyway, I got back into bed, and that was it. I went back to sleep, and that was it. Um, ruined my big moment. Nancy Drew in the corner there. But um, I just remember getting up the next day and trying to like process it all and trying to be like, what was that? And all I was sure of, right, was two things. I came away from that situation, first of all, being assured that God has a sense of humor. That is a hundred, I'm, I'm sure of it. I, I really am, seriously. And the second is that whatever God was going to say to me next, I was going to listen. I was sure, I heard his voice, and knew what his voice sounded like, and I was like, I'm going to listen to it. I kind of fast forward then another couple months, and I had really started to feel, um, at, the, at this point, I was um, living and working in Belfast, and I was coming home every weekend um, back to stay at mum and dad's house. And um, I started to feel the call of God being like, I want you back in Derry. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that soon. Yeah, that's good. I will, I will, I will. And it didn't go away. It just got stronger and stronger. And um, I remember kind of being like, you know what, God, I-, I will go back. But I really need the perfect job. And I'm also single and there's no men in Derry, do you know? <laughs> so I know with this hair, I know, but I just remember being like, I just remember being like, God, seriously, like I need, you know, help me here, get me the perfect job and then I'll move home, no problem. And um, I remember being like, do you know what? I'm just gonna do it. And I, I kind of made this wee step where I was like, okay, I'm going to half move home. So I left my accommodation in Belfast, gave up my house, and moved back home with mum and dad. I was 28. Really, they've been great. You have been really good, but it was really, it was a really difficult kind of decision. And um, I travelled every day to Belfast for six months. Um, and then um, during that time in the six months, I put a deposit down on a house. I um, was applying for jobs everywhere, really good jobs, um, and I wasn't getting any of them, and I was getting interviews, but not getting the job, and I was just like, God, what are you doing? You said you want me back in Derry, and I'm really trying to make that happen, so, you know, help me out. And um, God spoke to me one night and was like, no, I told you to go back to Derry, so I don't know what you're doing. And I was like, okay. So I uh, went home that night, and um, wrote my resignation letter. And I went into work the next day, and I handed it in. And I had no job. I um, had to make the decision that I knew by doing this, I was gonna have to pull out of my house. And um, I was just like, right, I'm all in. I wanna be obedient, what do you want from me? Um, So I did all that, and um, had six weeks notice 
finished up after six weeks. And mum, Claire and I went, um, went on a trip. Um, I got home and the very first day I got home, um, I got a phone call from um, the place I just left. And they were like, we really want you to come and freelance. How many days do you want? How much money do you want? Work from home, tell us. And I was like, okay, I'll have this much money, you know? <laughs> um, like, but yeah, I was like, wow, like, it's God. And that was only meant to really, that was only meant to be a month, and then it ends up getting extended a little bit, and extended again, and extended again. And, um, and I ended up doing that for just under four months, and it ended, and the week it ended was iHeart. So then I had, like, I obviously had, did the whole week of iHeart. During iHeart, I had just a few, like, random conversations with people about um, what I was doing at the minute and what I hoped to do, and th some of those conversations turned into some freelance paid work. Um, and I have now left work um, for six months now, um, and never one month has gone by that I haven't had money come in. Um, not one month have all my bills not been met. Um, it's not as much sometimes as I was accustomed to, it's sometimes not as much as I would like, but um, God honors obedience. God honors obedience. Um, and I really feel like there's people here that have been hearing the call of God and have been questioning whether that call, what it means, what to do about it, and you're absolutely terrified. I was absolutely terrified, okay? I am now 29. I'm still living with mum and dad. Roomies, we're we're, it's great, it is, it's fun. We get on really well, we do. But you know, it's really difficult. And I'm still like, the puzzle is still not completely unfolded to me yet. I don't know what things look like. I don't know what's gonna, what's gonna happen. I just know I was obedient. God has honored my obedience and I'm right where I'm meant to be because I followed his call. And that's all I know. I don't have anything else other than that. I focused my mind on the fact that God was good. I focused my mind on the fact that God is for me and whatever God is leading me into can only mean a good thing. God is only ever gonna lead you to good places, use you for good, take you places good. He is good. Good isn't even a good enough word for him. He is just a good God. And wherever he's calling you into, it will only be good. So if you feel like he's calling you into something right now that makes absolutely no sense, go with it. Right now, it won't make sense. It won't make sense, but he's a good God. And where he calls you to is only going to be a good place. We're going to, um, we're going to invite the worship team just back up. And um, um, if anyone tonight wants any further prayer for this, if anyone has been feeling like... Um, God has been calling you into something and it just doesn't make any sense. Um, there is some people here that would love to pray with you tonight. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to pray and then we'll, we'll hand back over to the guys. Um, but Father, we just thank you that you're a good, good God. We thank you that um, you're in control. We thank you that your timing is perfect, that your ways are perfect. And right now, we just um, we stand on the promise of your goodness, God, and we stand on the promise that you are for us. 
we ask for um, courage. We ask for um, just an increased awareness of you, Father, right now. We just ask that um, your presence just comes right now and meets us right where we are. Right what our circumstances are, right in the middle of what we're going through.